Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 I'm back, and I'm black, and we're brown. This is Tiffany Aliche of Brown Ambition, and Mandy Woodruff, co-host, producer, <laughs> extraordinaire. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, Mandy, are you ready to die? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. How's that for a segue? How's that for a segue? I bet you not. I bet you not. Uh, um, no. Or, or, I'm scared, though. (laughs) (laughs) It's really a question that we should all kind of ask ourselves. Do we have the two most important documents that you ought to have before you pass on from this life and on to whatever the next stage um, that you believe in? And so we have brought on the amazing, the incomparable, the splendiferous, art, beautiful, smart, art, steel. Um, Art is... Steele is a estate planning attorney who helps entrepreneurs and families protect what matters most. She actually started her career. I'm going to say this wrong because I don't know. It just looks Scadden. crazy. Scadden. Scadden yes. Arps. Yes. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and she went to work for um, work at the General Tax Council for Discovery Communications. Yes, like Discovery Channel. She's kind of a big deal. Um, she started her own law firm because, you know, flyness. Um, in 2014, and she started Legal Ease. Get it? Like Legal Ease, like ease on down, ease on down the road for entrepreneurs. Um, this is the <laughs> I'm going to take this and play this every single time somebody introduces me. <laughs> she started Legal Ease for Entrepreneurs podcast in 2016, which is amazing, which empowers minority business owners to tackle the legal needs for their business. Welcome, Art. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. What an yeah, intro. Yes, <laughs> yes. I said, Tiff, you handle the intro and that's what we got. <laughs> Yo, today has been like oh, the worst Lord. day of my life. And oh. so I said, no, but you know what? The best way to get over a bad day is to just make the next moments like amazing. You Think guys are amazing. Death. So I'm yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that's that's what I bring death, when baby. I come to podcasts. <laughs> Well, this is a topic that I'm really, really excited about because, you know, on a a recent episode, we got some questions around life insurance and it just reminded me that it's, yeah, it's one of those questions that people don't like to, I mean, just the fact that Tiffany asked, are you ready to die? I got really hot and sweaty just thinking about that. Um, But when you break it down into just like the simple things, the checklist of every, of the few things, the simple things everyone should have in place. It's not, you know, it's not that intimidating. It's not that scary. And it's something that you can do and forget about until your day comes. 
And then you still never have to and deal with it. And then it ain't your problem after that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, my, 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 my guilty truth is that I'm not ready to die. I don't have anything art. I don't have a power. I don't have a state plan. I don't even know what that is really. I don't have a will. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know about Tiffany, but I, I feel like I, I, I want to get it right. I've just been sort of intimidated yeah. for so long. And, you know, I suffer from that young invincible thing where I was in my, in my twenties and now I'm hitting the threes and I, I'm feeling a little bit more mortal every day and I want to get my stuff together. Wait well, until you have kids. <laughs> I, I, I do have, a, um, I do have life insurance. I got that when I was young and hot and popping in my twenties and I bought a condo. So I was like, Ooh, if I die, like how am I going to pay for this thing? Um, other than that, I don't have anything. Like I don't have a will, although I do have a really great business lawyer who is drawing up some contracts for me now about what happens. Cause I have a business partner. What happens if either one of us passes and leaves a business, you know, like mm-hmm. prematurely. Um, but other than that, yeah, I don't, I don't have any other, I, my plan is quite honestly to live forever. So cool. let's hope that works out. <laughs> but what should we do? All right, please get us started. What's the, if we don't have anything, if mm-hmm. you are Mandy, right? Not Tiffany, because I have a little something. If you are Mandy, <laughs> <laughs> what's the first thing? Where do we start? What should we do? Okay. Okay. So first, I think I like for people to start to think about estate planning differently. It's it's not so much if we didn't think about it or associate it so much with death as much as with a legacy and, and what we want to leave behind. I think we would have a very different approach to it. And when I talk when you talk about like what you want to leave behind, I think a lot of us think about what how we want people to remember us, but we don't think about death. Right. We don't want to think about that day that will die, but we think about how we would want to be remembered, like what footprint would we want to leave on this earth and what would we want people to say about us? And I think that if we think about estate planning that way, then it's not so um, taboo, but that's definitely a problem. And it's, and it's one in the black community that is just so prevalent and it's debilitating is actually hurting us. Um, and and it's, it's interesting because I'm a Christian And I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that he is my Lord and Savior. I believe that when I die by his grace, I will go to heaven. And so it's it's not something that, I mean, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't want to die in like a horrible accident, but um, I'm okay with that. And, And most Christians say they are, but then still we just avoid this topic because it's like, it's so negative. God forbid, don't talk about dying. But it's like, it's the one thing that he promises us, right? Um, and it's so, so it's like a, it's a, well, just to interrupt for a second, it's an individual. It's like you're thinking about it in your own, in the sense of yourself. Oh, you know, when I pass on, I'm not afraid to die. I know I'll be taken care of, you know, with whatever religion you might believe in. But it's about thinking beyond yourself. Like, what exactly. about the people you leave behind? Is that what you're kind of... Right. Yeah, exactly. Because you will leave, you will leave, I mean, for most of us, we will leave at least one person who loves us dearly, who is going to be significantly impacted by our, our loss or their loss of us, right? So not only do, you know, we hope that that person recovers from their grief, but we also don't want to leave them in um, a financial mess when we die, if there's something that we can do about it. So, 
When you think about estate planning, there's like a spectrum, I like to say. Um, I think it goes, it starts at planning for incapacity. And a lot of people, if they do get to the topic of estate planning, they never talk about incapacity. All they think about is like Tiffany, who goes and gets the life insurance policy, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But that life insurance policy is only paid out if you die. What happens if you're in a car accident? Okay, so first of all, in order for me to make my point, some bad things will have to happen, okay? Okay, I've um, already knocked on wood and threw holy yeah. oil, so we good. So we yeah, don't we have good. to do it every time, right, exactly, covered by the blood. So um, what happens if you're in an accident and you're incapacitated? You, um, Let's say you didn't have a partner, a business partner, and you're in a coma. Who, who does anything? Who has access, like permission, to go to your bank account and take money out for payroll? Who has the ability to take money out of your personal account to pay your mortgage on your home or your car payment or your power bill or your rent, right? So... A lot of people skip over that step of what happens if something happens to me, but I don't die because a lot of stuff will happen automatically when you die, but a lot, nothing happens if you're incapacitated. So the number one document that I say every single person should have single, not single, married, kids, not with the father or mother, whatever, even children, even people who are over 18 going to college is what's called a power of attorney. And that document gives whoever you name the authority to act on your behalf in your stead as if it were you. Now, you can have two types of power of attorney. You can have what's called a general durable power of attorney, or you could just have a general power of attorney. The durable power of attorney is a power of attorney that takes effect the minute you sign it. So the minute you sign it, while you're still walking around and fine, this person has the authority to act on your behalf. Now you may wonder, well, if I'm okay, why would I do this? For example, Tiffany, you have a business partner. Mm-hmm. So you may give him a business power of attorney. Gener- it, would be a, it would be a business, not general, but it would be durable. So it would take effect the minute you sign it he would be able to make whatever decisions you specify in that document. So you could say he can enter into contracts up to a million dollars, up to five million. He can go and close bank accounts, but he can't sell the business, right? So you would limit what he could do. But that power of attorney would take effect the minute you sign it, and then it would endure your incapacity. So if you became incapacitated, he would still have the power. And then it ends when you die or if you die. Okay. So that's what a durable power of attorney is. A general power of attorney only takes effect when you're incapacitated. It's also called like a springing um, power of attorney. Now for for people who are just, you know, for non-business people, You can have different types of power of attorney. You can have a real estate one. So you could give someone a very limited power of attorney so that they could sign real estate documents on your behalf. So if you're buying a home and you're going to be traveling for work 
and you want someone else to sign all of your closing documents, you can give that person a real estate power of attorney. Now, the reason why you would want it to just be a real estate power of attorney is because that's the document that's giving somebody the permission or the authority to sign on your behalf. So it would be included with all of the closing documents and it would be public. So you wouldn't want like your general, you know, power of attorney to be a public document. So you could create a real estate one. You could create one for your business. You could create one for, if you have five businesses, you could create one for each business. Um, You could create a tax power of attorney so that somebody has the ability to talk to, um, the IRS or your state tax department on your behalf, you can carve it out as much as you want, or you can make it as broad as you want. But everybody needs to have that document. Ooh, where do now. I get one of those? Yes. Like, can okay. I go to, I, I've definitely like started maybe one or two powers of attorney. Cause at least once every few years, I'm going to get my life together and I'm going to, I'm going to get one. Um, but I never do, <laughs> but I'll like, I started one on rocket lawyer. I tried on legal zoom, <laughs> Um, but I've never really gone to a, a real live uh, attorney for that, and I, I don't know I don't know why. But what do you what do so, you recommend? There are two things. Some states have what's called a statutory power of attorney. So the legislature of that state or some committee, um, probably fresh out of law school law students, <laughs> have drafted a, a power of attorney that would be accepted in that state. They've done that free of charge, and it's on some website. Um, I have a list of all of those states. I don't have it with me, but I have a list of those states that have them. If you live in one of those states, you could go and download one of those. Like if you just wanted to cover your bases right now, you could go and download one of those. And most of the time, what those states will have are different types of powers, like the ones I just described. And then you can just check whichever one you're giving to that person. So I would do that before I would ever go to LegalZoom and Rocket Lawyer. The reason I say not to go to those places is because what they're basically doing is just giving you a really generic um, document. A lot of the laws are updated in these states. A lot of the laws are updated with the different institutions that you could use power of attorneys with. Um, And a lot of those um, companies don't really give you instructions on what is in the document and how to use it and how to effectuate the document, meaning like how to sign it to make sure it's an actual document. Um, So I would definitely not recommend using any of those programs for any estate planning documents. And a lot of courts have actually um, started Um, to not accept those documents Mm. because they're not being prepared by lawyers. It literally is just a document system that you go in, you put your state and it generates a certain amount of text. Um, So you would be way better off using the one that your state prepared because they had lawyers who are barred in that state prepare it. The other option is to go to a lawyer. Power of attorneys generally will cost you about two fifty three four hundred dollars um i mean 400 would be the high end um for a power of attorney generally they're about i think 250 (coughs) here's another question how do you pick your power of attorney you know what in my case you know i have a husband and 
that kind of thing. But what are some options? Like what would be a good person to, you know, could it be a business partner, a relative? Like how do you choose the right person? It's a big, it's a big deal. Right. Mm. So it would depend on the type of power. So if it's, if it's um, a, a power for your business, then yeah, you may choose your business, a pa- your business partner. And then that power would be limited only to your business. Um, it would have to be someone who you trust, someone who you believe would act on your behalf or act in a way that you would act um, if you're incapacitated. And what I always tell people is don't pick someone as your power and then don't tell them. Discuss yeah. with them. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> like, Surprise, girl. Right. Yeah. Like, so discuss with them what you would want in certain situations, what your goals are for certain things. So for example, if you're making someone a power of attorney for a home, I mean, for a home purchase, you would obviously talk to them about, you are like, hey, I'm going off to wherever for the summer, deal with my house issue. You would obviously give them some boundaries, but ultimately you would just have to trust that person and trust that they would do what you would want, especially for, um, the durable one, because you would be incapacitated. And this document gives them the ability um, to act on your behalf. And anything that they sign would be binding unless they acted beyond the scope of the document or they defraud, you know, somehow they did something fraudulent. But other than that, you would be you would be held responsible for anything that that person signed on your behalf. So it would have to be someone who you trust. It may not necessarily be a family member. It could be a friend. And and that's the other thing that I tell people to really consider um, all the time or a lot of times, especially for single people, because m- most of us um, are with our friends and people who are in our age group, right, more than we are with our family. But if something happens to you, your friend would probably know, I don't know, I mean, depending on how close you are to your family, but your friend would probably know which bank you bank with. Um, they would know who your who your landlord is or, you know, places you frequent and, and, and things you order, you know, like places you order from, like your Netflix account or, you know, all of those things. Your friends would probably know that better than your parents would. But if you don't have a power of attorney and um, something happens to you, your parents can't just, you know, let's say your wallet is in your apartment and your bank card is in there. And for some reason, your PIN number is there with it. Your parents can't just go to your bank account and take out money to pay your landlord. That would be fraudulent. They would not have permission to do that. Um, so in order for your parents to get any access or any of your next of kin, your brother or whoever to get access to any of your assets, they would have to file a petition in court. That's called a conservative, a a conservatorship petition. In order to do that, they're going to have to hire a lawyer. Whenever a lawyer has to file a document in court, we've gone now from the 250 or even the 500 for the POA to at least three or $4,000. And then we're dealing with the court. So it's not like they're going to be like, oh, this person needs to pay Mandy's, you know, Mandy's mom needs to pay her rent. Let's get her in here 
right away. It doesn't happen that way. The court has a docket, right? So you just fit in wherever you can. The, the Probably the, the quickest emergency hearing you could get would be like a Friday or something, right? Um, and then in order for you to become a conservator of anybody's um, money or assets, you have to get what's called a bond. It's like insurance because they don't want for somebody, for the person who is incapacitated to come back and sue either you or the court, it would be a mess. So you're basically getting insurance to be able to manage this person's money. Well, the court doesn't offer that. So you have to go to a special company made just for this to buy this conservatorship conservatorship insurance. And they have their own requirements. Sometimes they require that you get a lawyer. So even if you're trying to do this by yourself, Um, which sometimes, you know, a lot of courts will have these forms online and you're like, okay, I'm going to try to do this myself. Once you get to that stage, they may require that you hire a lawyer because they figure your chances of not screwing this up are way less if you have a lawyer who's guiding you through the process. Sometimes they require, they, they do a credit check. Sometimes they require that the person seeking the bond be a U.S. citizen, not even a resident, a U.S. citizen. Sometimes um, they bar people who have criminal records. So I've I've had um, um, estates where no one in the estate, no relative could qualify to be a personal representative. So they literally could not probate the estate either because wow. they couldn't hire a lawyer or they somebody was a felon or somebody was a non-citizen and it's crazy right and when it applies all to your... you need to do is to is to just get a poa poa waives all of that stuff and does it apply to your your spouse as well that they won't be able to access those accounts on your behalf unless yeah unless they are listed on your account as a joint owner okay. now again we're talking about incapacity mm-hmm with death, if, if you're so with death, if your bank account is under a certain amount, depending on the state, depending on the bank, your spouse may be able to access some of that money because they're your next of kin or your parents may be able to or your your um, child may be able to. But that's only if you die. Mm. So the limbo is what we're talking about. I see exactly. that. Yeah, now, and people plan for death. If they're gonna plan at all, they typically plan for exactly. death. They don't. They don't plan for in, the in between. Exactly, exactly. So that's why I always say the power and the power of attorney is not a document you need when you're sick. Like you could be traveling and you could need somebody to sign something for you, or you could need someone to speak to someone on your behalf. So it's a document that you should have regardless of your age your marital status, your your family status, whether or not you have children, young children, you know, whatever. Like you should everybody should just have this document, especially if you're in a state that drafted one for you. There's no reason to have to not have it. Okay. So that's power and the of attorney. You would pay is well worth it. Okay. Sorry, can you say that again? I talked over you. I said the two fifty you would pay or three hundred or five hundred even. Let's just say five hundred would be well worth it. Okay. Okay. So power of attorney. Check. We need that. Mm-hmm. What's next? What's and, number two? And so, okay. So the next thing is a little bit, it, I think it's controversial because, and, and I'm talking about life insurance. Now I will say that I, I don't sell life insurance. 
I don't know too many of the requirements and what's good and, and what's not. Um, but I want people to think of life as, um, life insurance in a, a, a different way than just, well, I don't have, um, I don't have any children. I don't have anybody to leave anything to. I don't own anything. Um, what's the point of me paying X amount per month and leaving all this money? Who am I going to leave it to? And so I think that the number one thing that people say to me when I say everybody should have an estate plan is, but I don't own anything. What am I going to leave behind? And I always say, you have a life, don't you? <laughs> Go get life insurance, insure your life. Mm. Because what people don't, when people don't really think about is think about the enrichment. And I know this is going to sound a little bit crass, but think about the enrichment that you bring to people's lives. Most of us. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And then like, think about that just disappearing and, and how you can make up for that. And when I talk about the enrichment, yes, we all, you know, we have people who love us. We love people, but like for a lot of us who probably make more, the most money in our family or who went to college and got that job, like imagine how much money we would contribute to our community over our entire lives. And then for that to just be gone and then there's no replacement for it. That's how I look at it. And I think that people should use life insurance as a way to create a legacy for our community. And when I say our community, I mean the black community because. Say it. Say it. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Well, because one, we are way behind when it comes to generational wealth. I, I mean, I've talked about this on my podcast. There was a study that came out last year in February that basically said that the college adult, the, the white college adult has 7.2 times more income, access to income than the college adult who is black. Seven point, they both went to college, but the white person has 7.2 times more income. And then another statistic was that a single parent white home, a white single parent home has 2.2 times more income than a two parent black home. Mm. Because white people have had a head start on building generational wealth. And when you look back to like the 1970s and the reason for this is when you look back to the 1970s and white people had a chance to buy homes for really low mortgages, they were able to get really low interest rates, whereas black people weren't even able to like buy homes, period. And you take that one home, just that one home, they didn't leave millions of dollars. You just take that one home and you leave it free and clear to the next generation. And I always tell people like, imagine if you could go two years without paying rent, like how much money you would save just by not having to pay rent. And so this wealth has compounded year after year. And what this study was saying is that the only way we can make up this gap, going to college, not going to help. Being in a two-parent home, not going to help. All these things, being more educated, it's not going to close the wealth gap because black people aren't passing wealth down. Like the okay. only way the next generation gets better is if they have something to start with. So it's like starting from zero every single year. It's like every year you build up your business and then January 1st comes around and there's like two of you 
It's like business person number one, business person number two. You build up your business all year. January 1 comes around. They take everything away from you and they leave this other person with their business. And they says, and they say, start over. And you're like wondering, how come I can't ever catch up to this person? It, you could make millions of dollars. You still would be behind. You know what I mean? Because you so, never pass it on. Because you're not passing it down, right? So what I tell people is when you think about life insurance, like think about the income that our community would be losing if you were to die, if your life were to, were to be cut short. Think about your children and how much it would help them, even if you left them $50,000. You know, people think like, oh, who, you know, who needs 25 or 50,000 or a hundred thousand dollars? You know, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were like, for every aunt or uncle or relative I've ever lost, if I got $5,000, I would be pretty well off. Yeah. You know, like, you know? like uh, when I was in, um, when I visited Nigeria for the first time, I was uh, 21 right after college. And I remember there's one uncle in the village who was like wealthy. Like my parents' village, they don't, they didn't really have much money, like no running water. Everybody was still going to the stream and no electricity. But there was one uncle that was like lit. I mean, like car on the dirt road, everything. And I was asking my dad, how, why is this one uncle? And I use the word uncle loosely because right. I have no idea if he was related to us or not. Just everyone's an uncle. That's just how you say Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. So I was like, how? And my dad said, his his grandfather thought of him. And I said, how? He's like, do you see on his land that he has all of these palm trees? And palm oil is a very expensive oil and very mm -hmm. um, desired oil in Africa. And it takes 100 years, from my understanding, for a palm tree after planting to mature to reap um, um, palm seeds that make palm oil. 100 years. He said someone thought of him before he was born and yes. planted palm oil trees knowing that they would never in their lifetime benefit from planting these yes. trees. That's why most people don't do it. So they planted these, and this man now has, an, you know, acres of, of palm oil trees. And he, this is what he lives off of because yep. it's such an expensive. And I, I remember that hitting me, like, that's his, that was life insurance. His grandfather bought life insurance for his future grandson. And as a result, he's wealthy, and so will his kids and his kids' kids and his kids' kids be. Right, right. And that's the thing, like, we don't think about it because it's like, well, I'm not going to benefit. And it's like, yeah, but what if somebody had thought about you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what if somebody had thought about you and had created a trust for you and were, were paying your rent right now? And, you know, I was watching Sister Act 2 um, last night. <laughs> don't ask why. Classic. But... Um, you know, the one with Lauren Hill and her mom didn't want her to sing and her mom kept telling her how it's a dead end job. And, you know, obviously this girl, Lauren Hill, has this amazing, beautiful voice. And, you know, I kept thinking about it. I don't know if it's because this podcast was coming up, but I was like, here we have a girl who has this amazing voice and her mom is stifling her because she wants her to go and get a job because she wants her to be able to support her own self because she knows as her mom, she can't do it. Mm. And it's like, how many dreams, how many, like my greatest accomplishment would be if my son, who's three years old, could be a teacher making a $50,000 salary and still be able to afford a a house let you know where we live, which is Western Virginia, which is you know average five hundred thousand dollars. So mm. for him to be making a fifty thousand dollars salary and still be able to easily 
afford a $500,000 house. That will never be me. (laughs) I have to be the one going out there and making that much money because no one left it for me. But I don't want him to be in that position. I don't want his kids. Like this house that I own, he one day is going to have it free and clear. And his kids or him or whoever will have a place to stay and not have to pay rent. Like that's how I see it because I've been around people who are in those positions and I see how easy their life is. And it's like, I want my kid's life to be easy. So when you think about life insurance, if you don't actually, if you don't have actual savings that you can leave on, get a life insurance policy and think about who in your community, whether that's your immediate family, your extended family, or your actual community. And one of the things I always talk about, and I think this is something you mentioned before, Tiffany, where you're like, even if you don't want to be a millionaire, make the million, keep your $100,000 and give the Mm -hmm. $900,000 away. And you're going to give it to some organization that all the other benefactors or, or patriots or whoever they're called, the people who give money, benefactors are not going to think about. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a homeless shelter in your neighborhood that is not going to be left in the will of, you know, some super rich person, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you could leave $50,000 to them to keep them running. And the reason you know about them is because it's in your community. Maybe someone you know who you went to school with or someone in your family had to use that shelter at some point. I mean, like, look at Prince, right? The purple one. Yes. <laughs> he died with a $3 million estate. And a lot of people are like, oh, you know, you're trying to say that black people don't have money. And, and no, I'm just saying we don't think about estate planning. And like, when you think about someone like him who fought so hard during his life to protect his, his music, his image, um, and to, to own it, he provided for nothing, nothing. So his sister, who it looks like is going to inherit his estate, could literally sell it. She could sell it to Justin Timberlake, <laughs> mm-hmm. which would be like the greatest tragedy ever, right? But he could <laughs> Poor own JT. it, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like, and Prince would be turning over in his grave. And and then look at all of the other um, programs or, or, or um, organizations that he donated money to. They're not going to get any of that money. He could have, if he made a will, he could have put in his will, I want my entire estate to go to the Boys and Girls Club in Paisley, wherever he lived. Yeah. I can't believe he didn't. What a, not such a tragedy. Right. It is. Because think about all the money all the money our community could have been getting because we just look at what he donated money to when he was alive. Mm -hmm. He held a concert in Baltimore during the Freddie Gray riots. Right. So like that kind of money would have been so helpful. You know what I mean? So I think people, like you said, Mandy, like we need to stop thinking one is not benefiting us, but we should start really thinking about like, how can we pass this down and make life easier? Because black people now are making more money than we've ever made in history. We are more educated than we've ever been educated in history, but none of that is going to close the wealth gap Mm. if we don't pass this money down and you cannot take it with you when you go 
What do they say? You never see a U-Haul following a, a hearse, right? Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're an Egyptian, but. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Um, well, like practically speaking, tell me, okay, so, you know, when we spoke before, you'd mentioned, you know, leaving something to a nonprofit if you wanted to practically, how do you make sure that a, you know, a nonprofit or a charity or, you know, like a non-human person or organization can get the, can get the, whatever funds you leave behind? So you would, you could do that two ways. You could put it in your will. So your will is how you dispose of your assets. Now, the only thing with the will is that the will is public. So anything, sorry. So anything you put in your will, once it's filed with the court after you die, it has to be produced to the court. And once it's filed, it will become public. And the court is going to have to manage it. And because you're going to have to keep going back to court, there are going to be a lot of fees. There's a lot of um, delay because you're on the court's time. Um, So the best way to do that is to create a will and then pour over all of your assets from your estate into a trust. And the trust So when you hear trust fund, that's where it comes from. The trust is an agreement between you who creates it and the trustee. So you would appoint a trustee to manage the trust. And the trust is a private document. So the will would still go to the court. But all it would say is, you know, you have to say your name, have to say where you live. You have to, you know, put some other boilerplate language in there about your debts. And you have to name a personal representative or executor or administrator, depending on what state you're in. Um, and then you would say, I, I leave all of my assets to the trustee of the Art Steel Trust. And that would be the end of your will. You would sign it and then mm, that would be it. Okay. And then all of your disposition... I leave $100,000 to the Boys and Girls Club. I leave, you know, a million dollars to Planned Parenthood. I leave X amount to the Live Richer Academy. I leave yes, baby. To <laughs> Brown Ambition <laughs> podcast. Um, all of that would be in your trust. Now, in the trust, you can leave outright gifts, meaning once the trustee goes through all of your debts, and gathers an inventory of all of your assets, they would give that $100,000 to whoever you named. Or, so that would be an outright gift. You give them their money and they go. Or the trustee could put some conditions on the distribution. Now, that's the one that you're normally going to do for your family or for younger children because you don't want to leave them that money outright. Now, if you have minor children you definitely want to consider how you want to leave the money to them if you draft your will when they're still minors. 
Now, if you don't leave a will, if you don't have a will and you have minor children and you die without a will, what's going to happen is the court is going to appoint someone to take care of that child's money, but only until the child reaches the age of majority, which in most states is 18. And I think probably only one, maybe Connecticut, it's 21. So if you don't plan properly, so if you if you don't leave a will at all and you have all this money in life insurance, right, that life insurance policy won't pay the money to the child because children can't hold legal title to property, meaning money. Um, so they won't pay any of that out until someone goes to court and gets a court order and takes it to the life insurance company and then they will pay that money. So now we have the same problem again. In order for that person to get the conservatorship over the child's money, they have to file a petition. They have to get a bond in order for them to get the bond. The bond company has its own requirements, which are all the requirements that I repeated to you earlier. I've also seen situations where parent leaves money to child in a life insurance policy. Either they name the child directly and the child is a minor or they don't leave any beneficiary on the life insurance, but the child is their only kin, so all of it goes to the child. And it is not paid out. The child might be eight, nine years old. It's not paid out until the child turns 18 because mm. no one could qualify to be the conservator of that money. It's crazy. And you just think about how different that child's life could be if they had that money. So now you're going to... Hold the life insurance policy. The life insurance company is going to hold on to this money for eight, nine years. Who knows what they're putting it in? They have some fiduciary duty, but it could be a million dollars or whatever. And you have your 18 year old child inheriting this money when they're all this money when they're 18. So there's a, there's more than just one step, right? So it's great to get life insurance, but okay. make sure you plan for that life insurance so that it does go from generation to generation. You can set your trust up where your child can have access to those funds for their life. And then when they die, you know, their children can have access to it. Okay. You don't have to always give all of your gifts outright. You could put in there that a nonprofit can get $5,000 a year every year for as long as this trust is keeps going. There's money in the trust. So you don't have to give it outright to an organization. And all of this, all everything we're talking about, um, power of attorney, making sure you have um, your life insurance, your, your will, your trust, anything like that, is that... All those things are covered or would be able to be covered by an estate planning attorney. Is that right? Yes. So yes. they could manage yeah. it all for you and make sure – because my fear is like I get all this stuff done and it's like in Google Docs and I have some of it saved to my email. Oh, And no, it's no. like all over the place. So wanting – and then wanting a safe place to keep everything and someone I can trust to like, you know, have my documents together so I don't have to think about them. And, and you know, when the time comes, my loved ones will know where to get all that information. Right. So so the way that I do it, whenever someone comes to me for estate planning, I have them fill out a questionnaire. In that questionnaire, I have them list all of their assets. And after so after that, then I have the talk. You know, what do you want? You have a million dollars. You want it all to go to the kid. You want to split it with 
you know, whatever. We talk about the actual plan. How do you want this? I tell them the pros and cons. Well, here's what happens if you don't give the child anything when they turn 18. They'll they'll just be waiting like a dog with whatever, foaming <laughs> at the mouth and when they're 35 and then they're going to blow it. Anyway, mm-hmm. so um, we talk about the plan. Then I draft the documents. I draft the power of attorney. I draft the will. I draft the trust. They're two separate documents. And then there's some other little documents that go along with it. And I put on the bottom of my wills prepared by the law offices of Arnett Steele so that if anybody finds that will. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Did you say Arnett? Okay, all right. Who knew? (laughs) (laughs) It's on the interwebs. I'm not hiding it. It also, your name also sounds like a superhero. Art, Arnett, either way. Awesome name. It is. Yeah. Okay. Back to business. I was like, you know. You know, it's it's so funny because, like, I have to put, like, my legal name on documents, like, for legal ethical reasons. So people are always thrown off. They always think, like, Art is my boss, of course, because, you know, Art's a guy's name. Anyway, um, so I always put on there that I prepared the will so that when whoever finds it, they can contact me and I can give them that questionnaire that includes all of the assets, right? Because people need to know, this is the first thing I tell people, gather all your assets, right? Because, you know, these days with all you financial people out there telling these people to open six different bank accounts. I know what you mean. It does, it can get, I mean, I have a list. Yes. But you're right. And not everyone has like all of their stuff in one concise place. Exactly. So have, and they don't give me account numbers. I just tell them to tell me the name of the bank, maybe the last four or two or whatever. Um, So I can give that to someone and say, well, when they came in, these are, these is, this is where they had all of their stuff. Now, the two things that you want to, three things, three people you want to contact when it comes to the will and the trust, your personal representative, that is the person who is going to carry out your wishes as it pertains to the will. So the, the, the will is going to be presented to the court. If you hear the term probate, that's the probate court, the will court. Um, they will do whatever they need to do. But if you have what's called a pour over will, where you're also using a trust, there's not really anything for them to do in probate court. But that person technically is called the personal representative. Okay. And okay. then you want to select a trustee. The trustee is the person who's going to manage the trust. Now, you generally have two options when it comes to selecting a trustee. You can select an individual, and that can be someone you know or a family member or a friend, or you could select a company. Now, there are pros and cons of each, right? Because if you select an individual, you can tell that person all about what you want. You can kind of make side agreements and be like, okay, I'm going to put this in the trust, but really, you know, depending on how you know the person or whatever. Um, But the drawback to that is that person is maybe a family member. So they, they may feel a little, you know, soft toward whoever is asking for the money, you know, and then the other option is you can use a company like Fidelity or Chase or Prudential, all of these, Um, retirement company, you know, retirement bank account companies out there, they usually will have a trust management uh, department. Or you may have local ones like the New Jersey Trust Company. Um, They're much smaller, but all they do is trust management. So if you choose them, you know, they're going to follow your trust document to a T because they don't want to be sued, right? Um, So 
either way, you need to speak to that person beforehand in order to name them as a trustee. And then if you have children, you want to name the guardian of your children and you want to name the guardian of your children property, your children's property. Now, the guardian of the child is the person who's going to take care of the kids, you know, their well-being. And the guardian of the minor's property is the person who's going to be in charge of the money. It can be the same person. It could be a different person. Um, the court is, no matter who you name, the court is always going to have a hearing to make sure that whoever you name is fit, because as you know, when it comes to children, the court is always charged with um, acting in the best interest of the child. So they wanna make sure that the person who you've named is fit to actually take care of this child. And maybe you did it when your child was first born and that person was like your best friend and they live next door. But 10 years later, your child's now 10 years old, that person could be living in a different state, you know? so. Um, the court is always going to have to, to see. But the most important thing about your will is, remember the bond I was talking about? You can mm -hmm. waive that in your will. So okay. you can put in your will that you don't want anybody, any of your representatives, um, you don't want them to be required to get a bond. And then they won't have to get it. So you skip okay. that whole step. So then they can be a personal representative. Wow. I know so much. I hope I go like, first and someone else can I, deal with right, all this. Exactly. I'm like, huh, see you, Superman. That's on you, boo boo. Um, Here you go. Bye. <laughs> okay, bye. Oh, so wait, Mandy, to answer your question. So when I'm done with all of that, I actually give my clients. So you're going to sign a copy of your will. You're going to, uh, not a copy, you're going to sign your will. You're going to sign your power of, of attorney. You have to keep those original documents. Now for your will, some states do allow you to file the original copy or the original of your will with the state. Now you can always go back and revoke it and take it and tear it up, but that's one way to um, safe keep it. Um, I tell people don't put it in your safety deposit box um, because if you're the only one who has access to the safety deposit box and you die, then nobody can go and get it because even if you're loopholes. giving that person permission to it in the will, the wills in the safety deposit box. Yeah. Um, so tell your family that you have a will. I don't, I don't, I don't think I I'm of the opinion that people shouldn't hide that. They should say, I went to a lawyer. I prepared the will, a will. Here's the lawyer's name. If that person is your executor or your trustee, let them know. I mean, talk to them beforehand, but then let them know I named you as trustee. You know, so that way people aren't like, does she have a will? Does she not have a will? You know, she had to have a will, you know, or at least you're letting people know at some point you went and got a will because then that could inform other decisions and, you know, help solve a lot of problems. Do so you I have any sort of like checklist that you, um, yeah. That Please, you can Jesus. provide? Because honestly, I just selfishly, I would like, I'm just going to put it on my fridge and just look at it. Um <laughs> So yeah. um, I do have one. So anybody listening, let me make sure I get this right. Anyone listening can text willpower to 44222. Oh, damn. I thought you were going to be like, yeah. download this yeah, link. Wait. You are so Hold official. On. You have an I'm about to. Mm, you don't even know me. I got my phone out. I'm like, uh, say what again? Uh, wait, yeah, say it again. Say it again. Yeah, let me triple check to make sure I'm not telling you guys to to 
download my contract checklist. <laughs> and, and, and is this all one word? Willpower? Uh, yeah, willpower. Yeah, it's all one word. W-I-L-L-P-O-W-E-R. Lowercase? Yeah, um, it doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. And it's 44222. So once they text that num- willpower to that number, they'll get a text saying, please provide your email address. Oh, I see it. I- Hello, please reply with a text containing your only email address so we can send you everything we promise. Thanks. <laughs> you you think I won't? Done. Yeah, so in there is actually um, a workbook that defines a lot of the terms that we talked about in case people need to review them. I give you like um, some pointers on, you know, how to choose your everything I just went over basically, but at least you have it in writing. And you can start filling. It's actually a fillable workbook. So it'll ask you, like, who do you want to be your trustee? Just to get people thinking. Because, again, um, you know, just, I don't want to say just pick somebody. But this is not, it doesn't mean you're going to die. I always tell my clients, actually, now that you've done this, you're going to live forever. (laughs) (laughs) So here's a question, Art. That So how often, because I I, I joked with you earlier that my, my dad was like, I've got a will. No need to worry. I'm like, Daddy, I read the will. It says Tiffany, age six, belongs to her uncle. Should I pass away? That's not a, like, I'm 38 now. Right. So, <laughs> how, 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 meanwhile, I was, I was joking. I was with my mom. She's doing some estate planning and preparing for retirement. And we're sitting down with financial advisor that I was helping her interview. And she, he was telling her, you need a will. You know, do you have one? She said, I have one. And I told her, I was like, Mommy, you know, about that will. How do you know? And I'm like, so first of all, now it's a secret that you have, right. this, you know, and so she looked like yeah. so shocked. And I'm like, well, first one, why wouldn't you tell me? I'm just nosy. So I used to just go through all their paperwork when they were like away, like at parties or whatever. So I like, I know. I feel every- like all African kids do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's, in this, what's in this folder? Ooh, I belong to uncle. Uncle Mike, huh? Okay. Well, how come Tracy gets to go with uncle Tony? I like him better. Um, Right. So that was one. And then two. So, but how often should you update? Like, this like is yeah. it every year? Like how, what does that look like? No. Um, I think that when you have major life changes, right? So if you have a child, most people come to me when they have a child. So um you want to include your child in the will. Um if your children are minor are minors, but then obviously, you know, when they become adults, that's a completely different estate plan than when they're like five or six years old. So most people will say every, like revisit it every five or six years. Um, So I would say maybe, I would say six to seven. And if you have any major life events. So if you get married, uh, the law takes care of a lot of that for married people. But if you get a divorce, you definitely want to change your estate plan if your spouse was included in there. Um, if you have a child, you would want to update it um, so that you would include that child. If you, um, I don't know, if you have like a major, major, major increase in your income, um, yeah, then you would want to do it. But buying, let's say you put your home that you currently own in a trust and then you sell the trust, I mean, sell the home, I, you don't need to update it for that. The trust will only include property that actually exists at the time that you die. Um, so selling property that you put in the trust, um, moving to another state, unless that state's law is really, really wacky, then um, I would, in, in 
<clears throat> there are only a few that I can think of. Like, for example, in Louisiana, you can't disinherit your children, meaning you have to leave your children um, something if you live in, if you are domiciled in the state of Louisiana when you die. That is not the case for any other state. In any other state, you can leave your children completely out of your will. So that's the only time you would have to update your will. Um, but if you move to another state, that state would um, would still be able, would still use that will because they states give each other what's called a full faith and credit. They have to accept legal documents from other states. So like the same reason if you get married in New Jersey and you move to wherever, you're still married. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So moving, selling property, no major life um, changes. Yeah. And or every, I would say six to seven years. Setting okay. calendar alert. Right. Year <laughs> <laughs> zero for you, Mandy. Um, I mean, I got life insurance, though. I didn't mean to be like, I don't have anything. I'm good. I, I, but yeah, I say I get it through my employer, though. And I understand that if you, well, you know, work for yourself, you don't always get well, that. Well, that's one of the best ways to get life insurance. It's like just. Just get it when your employer is offering it, because a lot of times when you leave, especially all these um, full time people who are working on their side hustles and hoping to turn it into their full time job is get it when you are at your employer. And a lot of times when you leave, sometimes you may be able to take just take it with you. I know I was able to do that when I left Discovery. So I have the same life insurance policy um, paying about the same rate for the same amount that they were offering. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Some, I've heard some yeah. employers, it can be portable and then sometimes it's not. So I should right. check yeah. and see if mine's portable because, you know, if it's not, then it's only going to be more expensive the longer I wait to get my own, exactly. um, my own policy. And I, and I know that um, Malcolm, um, MJ Harris, his company does help entrepreneurs get life insurance. Okay. I'll tell you, man, he is for the people. Mm, I'm going to be hitting you up about MJ. MJ! <laughs> Smarty <laughs> out Smarty Artie. That's what I'm going to start yeah. calling you. Did they call you that at school, Art? No. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't get my glory then. It's okay. Hopefully somebody who went to high Girl, school. Girl, you don't want to peak too soon. Yeah, you that's don't. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Thank you, know, you I'm still so waiting much. to peak, but yes. Um, this, was, <laughs> this, was, this was awesome. Honestly, I'm learning so much. I'm like, this is I think so many of our listeners can really relate whether they have um, aging parents or you're just thinking about your own kind of like history or whether you have kids or not. There's so much to unpack. And I think you really helped us to at least start to unpack it. Yeah. And, you know, shameless plug for myself, um, Tiffany, I'm going to be talking about this in a lot more detail, if you can imagine that, um, in your Live Rich Academy which I will. Yes, if you right? are not a member, Al, you a played three yourself. week series, you guys. Yes. So the Literature Academy. What I try to do, man, if we have to have you on, girl. What are you waiting on? Um, waiting on you. <laughs> you, said, <laughs> you can come talk about how to start a podcast. Um, no, but the Literature Academy. For those of you who don't know, is um, my online school, and I really try uh, my best to have really dope, mostly brown um, instructors who are. Um, experts in their fields, and Art is one of our experts, and um, she she's taught kind of like a mini lesson on estate planning, and now she's going to do a full-fledged course, um, and we're excited. It's uh, Her course starts this month in April. It's three weeks, so every Thursday um, she's going to be diving deep, and you're going to get some corresponding um, 
documents alongside of it. So if you are an Academy member, and if you're not, you can join us. If you go to joinlra.com, I know I don't talk about it much here because we're all about BA here, but um, certainly you can come on over. Academy is less than 10 bucks a month. And I do that on purpose because I really want us to have access to, to the tools that we typically are left out of. So I keep it really low cost, but I get like the best people out there and art is amazing. Um, oh, like, thank you. No, you are for real. They're, they're already super excited. I, I, I went live in the, um, cause the Academy has their own private Facebook group. I went live today. Yo, it's so, I just love, like, I just love helping Brown women because it's like, I always feel like I'm, um, I'm a, like a, um, a kid on Sunday morning in church doing my solo. They just like, go oh, ahead, yeah, baby. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're so encouraging, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like live today and I was like, and then I'm going to give you guys, they're like, yes, Tiffany, yes, mama. I'm like, you know what? I just love my people. <laughs> Brown women, black women, you guys are just amazing. And so, yeah, they were super excited. They were like, we love art. So, um, yeah, this is something, because what we, me and Mandy, what we do here is like what, you know, we try to do overall is to provide a platform to share information in a way that's going to affect people of the diaspora, like, you know, that might not otherwise get this information, at least not dispersed in this kind of fun, lighthearted, easy to consume and understand kind of way. So be a podcast all day, every day. Tell a friend to tell a friend. (laughs) Mandy, what are you doing? You're awfully quiet today. (laughs) I'm waiting for an opening. It's hard when there's three of us, and I don't want to talk over anybody. So I feel like it's hops. It's like a double dutch. That's yeah, what. Go ahead, yeah, I'm like, no, I just want to say thank you so much, Art, and I agree with everything Tiffany said. And um, yeah, brown ambition is where it's at. You are brown ambition personified, and Aww. I love just the conversation that we're having around being. You know, I feel like financial success is is just exponentially greater when you when you when you're planning for not just yourself but for mm-hmm. the people behind you that story about tiffany's grandfather and planting that what kind of tree was it i'm gonna need to get one um, and it, i actually tree. think it's more rewarding when you're right. when you're just when you're imagining like two I mean, or three generations isn't that like the how, key to just fixing yeah. the world just thinking about yeah. someone besides your damn self you know yeah like, yeah and you just think of all the problems <laughs> as black people like how many of us wouldn't have to go through the criminal justice system if we had money, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I know money doesn't solve everything, but it could help. Don't, it won't go solve it either, right? <laughs> <laughs> the Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets, On the Market, Rookie Real Estate, or Money Podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets Podcast, on YouTube or wherever you listen.